Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. What a sweet video that was. You know, Mother's Day, I'm kind of prepared to come in and cry a little bit. Father's Day, I'm prepared for Wes to come up here and act a fool. And he got that, but then I wasn't expecting this video first service, and it was like, it's right in the gut. So if you need a, a tissue, we're contact-free, so just use your sleeve, it's okay. It's Father's Day. You can be a little bit more messy on Father's Day, right? So everybody watching online, dads watching online, I know you're kicked back in your lazy boy, enjoying, hopefully, I hope you had a nice breakfast or lunch made especially for you. But dads, we want you to walk out of here We want you to feel spoiled, we want you to feel appreciated and loved because you do so much, not only for your family, but for this community. So let's give it up for our dads here today. Well, I'm a dad of two young children and um, two phrases have defined my fatherhood to, to date. And my daughter, she's the oldest, she's seven years old, just turned seven, and she is Daddy's girl, and that's the first phrase. Daddy's girl, she knows how to bat her eyes. She knows how to just come at me and ask something in the right way to get whatever she wants. If you're a dad of a little girl, you know exactly what I'm talking about uh, because girls are just born. She came out of the womb, and she knew exactly what to do to get me to say yes to whatever she wanted. And so daddy's girl, I love being a girl dad. You know, the hashtag girl dad. It's so much fun. The second phrase worries me a little bit more, and that is like father, like son. And if I'm being honest, that frightens me greatly because I knew what I was like as a kid growing up. And so my son, who's four years old, is just starting out. He ate a penny a couple years ago, had to go to the ER, and that is just the beginning, right? Like father, like son. I immediately go back to 2002. So trans transport with me back to 2002. It was a wonderful year. We had recently survived Y2K. Um, So if you're going through 2020 and you survived Y2K, you are doing fantastic, okay? Because that was quite a year. 2002 was a wonderful year um, for so many reasons. Blockbuster was at its height. Friday nights were planned out. Go to Blockbuster, you get your movie, get your snack. These kids up front have no clue what I'm talking about. (laughs) We also had dial-up internet, which was a miracle. Getting on AOL, you know, that was the day. You had to plan your night around getting on the internet around when grandma and grandpa were gonna call the house, okay? And they had to wait till after nine, was it, when it was free calling, you know, you gotta wait after nine. So the whole night, 2002 was a great year, also because I started driving. So that was incredible. I had a 95 white Honda Civic stick shift, okay? The real stuff. I believe everybody should learn how to drive a stick shift. If for no other reason, you can be in the Fast and Furious movies, okay? Because driving stick shift, you cannot look any cooler. But with that, you know, I'm loving driving. I'm new to the scene. But my mom had a request for me one day. She said, JT, I need you to back your car up in the driveway. Now, my driveway was like most driveways, but there was a pretty steep incline. And if you know anything about 
uh, stick shift. All you have to do is jump in your car. You don't even crank it. Put in the clutch, th- throw the uh, shift into neutral, and you'll just start backing up. And so I did that. I jumped in my car. I was backing it up for my mom, and I went to grab the driver's side door to shut it. And as I did that, I pushed it out just a little bit too far. And before I could grab it, before I could close it, I just heard a crunch. And a crunch, I slammed on the brake. The door I'd grabbed onto my basketball goal. And before I could come to a complete stop, I'm watching my mom's face as I rip my door off of my 95 Honda Civic. It was terrifying. It was sickening. She was sick to her stomach. I was sick to my stomach. But she was a great parent through that. Her and my dad, they came together. This is how you're going to work it off. This is how you're going to pay it off and, and all those things. But the like father, like son statement haunted me this last week. I wish I would have got a picture of it, but I didn't. My son Bradley wanted to go to the pool, the neighborhood pool. And so we jump in the car, but I forgot our towels. So I run back in the, car, or in the house to get our towels. And as I'm going in the front door, I turn around, the hazard lights are going, the windshield wipers are going. And any good dad would have said, I need to go check on him, tell him not to touch anything. But I'm not a good dad yet. I'm still learning this thing. So I go inside, I grab the towels, I come back out, windshield wipers had stopped. The hazard lights were still going, but I, I jump in the car, turn off the hazard lights, and my son's sitting there, just so nice, he's so polite, his hands are in his lap, he's just being a sweet boy, and he looks at me, I think I broke something. <laughs> he had tried to take my cell phone holder off of my car, which was stuck to the middle console, and in doing so, he ripped off my entire middle console to my car. Thank God for Flex Seal Glue. The guy who invented that stuff is a genius. Thank you for the infomercials, Lowe's for carrying that. You can't even tell anything happened. I'm better than the Honda store, so it was great. I, but I, in that moment, I immediately thought back to my mom, actually. I know people say that and they're just making it up, but I really did. I was like, I gotta handle this nice. I gotta be nice to him. Things happen, accidents happen, and, and so I, I handled that moment with care, and it was, I was so proud of me as a dad. But rewind it to week two of uh, quarantine was a different story. Um, Wes was talking about the horrors of that, and so I definitely had one of those moments um, as my kids decided to use the towel holder for monkey bars. Um, we have a picture of that. There's the hole there, a uh, really large hole. They ripped it out. I kind of started getting prepped to fix it, but um, that was a quite different reaction. So, but we're all under the blood. We're learning in grace and getting better as parents. But like father, like son. That's the phrase I want you to take into today's message as we look into the Bible. We're gonna do, go to John chapter nine. John chapter nine, if you wanna follow along in your notes. You know, Jesus, the son of God, he was sent here to earth uh, not only to preach, but he was also a wonderful example for us. Jesus didn't claim to have the best explanation for God, but he did claim to be the best explanation for God. And so I think, you know, it's definitely important to listen to the words of Christ, to walk by those words, but it's also equally important to watch how he lived, to look at the example that he lived out. And so that's what we're gonna do today as we talk through the three characteristics of God, the Father, that we learn through the life of Jesus, his Son. So John chapter nine, Verse one, if you wanna follow along with me. And he says this, and as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, 
that he was born blind. So let's just pause really quick. So back then, uh, the Jewish people and in this culture, they, if someone were to have been born blind or something, something that was uh, not uh, right with them, they would have thought in that moment that their parents did something wrong in their past, something sinful in their past for this child to deserve it. So we see immediately that's really bad theology. And, and we can be quick to say, oh, that's just, they believe that back then, but we still do this today, right? We may not say it in the same way, but we do talk about bad karma. You know, you did something a few years ago and something bad happens in your life and you just immediately thought, man, that's just bad karma for me. So many times we look at these bad moments in our life and we think, is God punishing me for something he did? But we know from this scripture that that's not the case, that God does not do that. So they asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or that his or his parents, that he was born blind. Verse three says, neither this man nor his parents sin. So it's nobody's fault. And God introduces a brand new idea. And he says, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Pain is not the result of sin. You know, Pastor Marty, he talks about it all the time. God never wastes a pain. God never wastes a problem. And that's what we're looking at now, that pain can have a purpose. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's introducing them to this brand new concept, this brand new idea to their theology that not everything going on is as a result of sin. But pain can be good. Our very first lesson we learned today is that God can choose to display his power through our pain. God can choose to display his power through our pain. God isn't punishing us for something we did or for our bad decisions, but in those moments of pain, God can display his power. I've been here for a little over 10 years, and as a pastor here on staff, a lot of times people call in or they'll come to the church and they're in some of the darkest moments that maybe they have a loved one or, or they're going through a medical trial or they're going through some things uh, where their health is at risk or maybe they just lost a loved one or, or maybe there's some relational issues that they're just trying to get some guidance on. And so a lot of times it can be easy to be bogged down on the negativity that can, be, that can come in. But one of the most refreshing things about being a pastor is seeing the faith that you have when you place it in the hands of God to work through that pain. Verse six, after saying this, Jesus, he spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva and he put it on the man's eyes. That is absolutely disgusting and I just had to acknowledge that. So Jesus made mud with his spit and put it on this man's eyes. But he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And so the man went and washed and he came home seeing. This man was healed with some spit and dirt and mud and Jesus' blessing. We had a chance to actually visit the Pool of Siloam as a team when we went to Israel. Here's a picture of the pool as it is today. They found it while they were doing some excavations and, and those are the steps that are leading down to it and going into that grassy area. That is where the pool would have sat and we were sitting there, we read through this scripture and it was such an amazing thing to just picture that moment when it happened. This man coming out of the water, washing his eyes off from this mud and being healed. And his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begged and asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was while others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, 
put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. And then if you ever think the Bible is not funny, you have to read through this verse. It is one of the stupidest questions and greatest responses that there is. They said, where did this man go? And he answered them, I don't know. I couldn't see. How am I supposed to know this? It's funny to me, Christian humor. Okay. So this man, he's born blind. He spends a lifetime begging by the front of the synagogue. Jesus puts some mud on his face. He goes down to the pool. He's healed. And immediately in this time, during this culture, if a miracle ever happened, if you were ever healed of anything, you were brought in front of the council of the Pharisees. And, and so they brought this man to the, to the Pharisees and they had to put the rubber stamp on, this guy was healed and it's an act of God or not. So they began peppering him with questions. How were you healed? Where were you healed? What happened? Who did it? How did he do it? And they immediately concluded as you read through these verses that Jesus broke the rules by healing this man on the Sabbath. The Jewish people, they took the Sabbath very seriously. Even to this day, as you're walking around Jerusalem, if you're there on the Sabbath, the whole city is shut down. So much so the elevators, they stop on each and every floor so that you don't have to work and push the buttons of what floor. And so they took that very seriously. And so obviously someone who did something on the Sabbath is not of God. They started asking him, who do you think Jesus is? And they were asking him all these questions and time and time again, they weren't getting the answers that they were looking for. So what did they do? They brought in this young man's parents. So they brought him in, they began asking him the same questions and, and the parents knew something. As we read scripture, we quickly learned the parents knew that these Pharisees had it already determined that anybody that aligned themselves with Jesus was gonna be excommunicated from the synagogue. And, and that means, you know, it's much more than trying to find a new place of worship, a new church to go to, but their whole life would have been turned upside down. They would have had to find a new way to function in the marketplace. They would have had to new, find a new way to work their job. And their life would have been flipped upside down if they were excommunicated from the church. So they quickly threw up their hands and they said, look, our son is of age. Our son can answer these questions. We weren't even there. Ask him. He knows what he is talking about. So they bring in the man again. And I'm sure he's frustrated at this time. He's Day one of being able to see in his life, he's wanting to go see all the things that he couldn't see, and he's brought in front of the Pharisees yet again, and they summon him, and they say, give God the glory by telling the truth. We know this man, Jesus, is a sinner, and he replied, this is probably one of the greatest scriptures in all of the Bible. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know, but one thing I do know is I was blind but now I see. I don't know who Jesus is. I don't know his character. I don't, I don't even know what he looks like. But all I do know is he worked a miracle in my life and I had an encounter with him. Then they asked him, what did he do for you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered with frustration, I'm sure that all parents can resonate with. I've already told you, listen the first time. But then he had this idea. Oh, I know what you're wanting to do. You're wanting to become one of his disciples. That was the reply that they did not want to hear. So they started yelling at him. They hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciples. We are disciples of Moses and we know that God spoke to Moses. But as for you, this fellow, we don't even know where he came from. This man answered, now that is remarkable. That is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. 
We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. Now, we also know that that's some bad theology as we're reading through this. Uh, God listens to all of us, whether we're far from God or we're, we're tracking right in step with him for our life. It doesn't matter where we are. If we pray, God is going to listen. He listens to the godly person, he continues on, who will do his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this, the Pharisees replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. This man's life, this was the greatest day of his life. He was finally able to see. He has spent years and years out front of the synagogue begging for a living. That was the only way he could function. He spent years of being pulled around from place to place and being dependent on other people to survive. And now he was able to see, he was dragged back in and the day that was supposed to be the best ended up flipping his life on its head. And he was kicked out of the synagogue. His family was kicked out of the synagogue. And the day, I'm sure, was ruined. You know, the first character of, characteristic of God that we learn about is God can choose to display his power through our pain. The second one we learn from in this story is God's mercy exceeds our understanding. God's mercy exceeds our understanding. Pastor Mo, a couple weeks ago, he talked about our knowledge and the orthodoxy, our belief, understanding of our our beliefs versus our orthopraxy, how we live out our beliefs. And God is saying the same thing here. God's mercy exceeds our understanding. This young man, he didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't really know uh, of the Christian faith at that time, what it was to follow after Christ. But all he did know was he had a true encounter with God. Here's a statement I would love for you to write it down and let's remember it in the coming days and weeks. If your belief allows you to mistreat, you're guilty of misbelieving as well as misbehaving. If your belief allows you to mistreat, you're guilty of misbelieving as well as misbehaving. We're called to have mercy. We're called to have grace on people around us. When you jump on Facebook, when you jump in the social media scene, or when you're out in the community, we're called to have grace in those moments. Even if there's people that we disagree with, even if there's people that we don't really fully understand, God is clear and he commands us to have mercy in those moments and to show compassion and to love them. Jesus said it like this earlier in the book of Matthew when he was talking to his disciples. He told them then to pray for their enemies. You know, if we're just honest, it's hard enough to pray for the people we like, right? Like to remember them, they make us mad or something. Maybe I'm the only one. Sometimes it's hard to pray for the people that we like, but Jesus is calling them to pray for their enemies, for us to pray for our enemies. And what he's saying in that statement is not just that you have to say some words, but there is nobody outside the bounds of God's grace to pray for your enemies, the people that do you evil. There is no one that should be outside the bounds of your grace. Wouldn't it be amazing if over the last 100 years, 200 years in this country, as we were growing as a country and developing as a country, if the Christians in this country, as we get out and minister in the different capacities, even if people disagreed with us, even if people hated us for our faith, if they would always be able to say, but you know what? Christians are full of mercy, the full of grace. God's mercy exceeds our understanding. And the final point here is God takes personal interest in individual people. God takes personal interest in individual people. In verse 35, it continues, 
Jesus heard that they had thrown this man out. This, this statement is so powerful to me. And when he found him, this man, he was healed. He was having the greatest day. His life is turned upside down. He's, I'm sure, having a horrible time trying to come to grips with what that would mean. And Jesus sought him out. He found him. And he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, this man, you have to remember, had never seen Jesus, but I'm sure at that moment he recognized that voice, the voice that healed him. Who is he, sir, the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. This man, he was born blind. He had spent his lifetime trying to come to grips with that and to survive, and he's healed. He's thrown out, and Jesus seeks him out. Jesus takes personal interest in individual people, and God the Father takes personal interest in individual people, like father, like son. You know, as we go through these three characteristics, God can choose to display his power through our pain. God's mercy exceeds our understanding. God takes personal interest in individual people. As we go through these things, I would encourage you to go back through the gospels and and to check out the life of Jesus and you'll just see these mirrored time and time again. You know, the Bible is clear and talks about if you were to look for the word crowd or look for the Lord, uh, word large gathering or something along that lines, you'll see time and time again all throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just hundreds and thousands of people following Jesus around town to town. And these people were following after him. And I'm sure after the very first miracle that Jesus did, these crowds were filled with dozens of people that needed physical healing. They were filled with dozens of people that needed a touch from God. They were filled with dozens of people that needed even a a touch in the relationships of their life. They needed a healing in that fashion. And and in those moments, Jesus could have easily just swept his hand over the crowd, done a bending hand movement or something like that, and everybody in the crowd would have been healed at that time. But that's not what he did. Jesus sought people out one by one. You'd be hard pressed to find one story where Jesus healed more than one person at a time because he understood the power of meeting with people one on one. Jesus sought it out, God seeks us out. God loves us, us as individuals so much that he sent his own son to meet us. God takes personal interest in individual people. As we look to this story and we think back, I want us to look into our own lives. You know, a couple of years ago, um, I I had a really bad cold and I'd been coughing, just had this coughing fit, and I was laying in bed one night, and I just had this really bad coughing spell, and I got done, and it just hit me in that moment. Man, I cough exactly like my dad. And that was a scary moment. It was like a progressive commercial, come to life, right? You're turning into your parents. And I love my dad. He's here today. I admire him so much. And there are so many other ways that I'm exactly like my dad. Um, but in that moment, it just hit me that I was becoming my dad as I got older. You know, God, he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus and God, they spent time together in heaven, father and son, just like my dad and I. It's not a coincidence that I behave like my dad or that I have mannerisms like my dad because I look to be like him. 
I look to grow up to be like him. I look to, to, have, to live out that example, but I also spend so much time with him through those conversations, through those important moments in life. And just like a father and son here on earth, that's what Jesus was like in heaven. Even when he came here, he spent time and he, he broke away from those crowds to spend time with his heavenly father so that he could have and obtain that character of his heavenly father. Like father, like son, like father, like daughter. That's my challenge for you today that we would take on the characteristics of our heavenly father. And before we can display any three of these, we have to first spend time with him. The band's coming across here in a few moments and they're gonna sing through a song that I want us to remember on for days and weeks to come. But it's just titled, Run to the Father, Run to the Father. And maybe for you, running to the Father looks like opening up your Bibles more this week and just starting out your week tomorrow or tonight as you're going to bed spending time with your kids or just opening the Bible and reading a story through with them or, or just showing them love, spending some extra time with them. Maybe uh, running to the Father for you is listening to worship on your way to work so that your mind is in the right place when you encounter work. Maybe it's reevaluating how you can display mercy or how you can look at your pain. You know, we look at this world, we watch the news, we, we get on social media, we, it doesn't take five minutes out in the workplace to know that this world is in the middle of so much pain, so much chaos. There's so much brokenness all around us and none of us have the golden answer. None of us have that thing that we can snap our fingers and make it all better. But you know what can make it better is if we're able to display the characters of God, the characteristics of God, our Father. I wanna challenge you today to be like father, like son, like father, like daughter, and become more and more like him. We're gonna pray, and maybe you're watching online and you just happened to click on something that somebody shared, or maybe you're here just to celebrate Father's Day with your dad, and I wanna let you know that this is not a coincidence. Verse 34, if you look, or 35, you look at it, Jesus sought this man out. He knew this man would be down and out. He knew this man was going through a difficult moment and he went and he found him. Today, Jesus has found you. Today, you're watching online, you're watching at our South Campus, you're watching in this room, and Jesus has found you. God sent his son to find us. He's pursuing us. And I would love it if you just took this day, this week to pursue him, to run to him. Before the band comes out, I wanna say a prayer. And if you are far from Christ, maybe you used to be a believer and you're just watching today, questioning what's up or down with your faith and you're not really sure what to do, I would love to challenge you to pray this prayer of salvation with me again, to run after God. If you're in this room, to run after God and to pray that with me. And we'll also pray that we would have the characteristics of God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. We thank you that he was sent to save us. When we were lost, that we were found. When we were blind, just like this story, that we were able to see you running after us, pursuing us. And if you would love to accept Jesus as your personal savior, pray this with me. Dear Jesus, Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of those things that I've done wrong. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord, the Savior of my life. Come down and be with me. Lead me. 
And for all of us in the room, God, I pray that you would just be with us, that we would be able to exhibit your characteristics, that we would live a a good and pleasing life, a life that is following after the purpose that you have for us. God, that we would choose in the moments of pain, in the moments of relationships feeling that they're broken down, in the moments of the job that we hold being up in, in the air and maybe we're furloughed, maybe we're not sure what the future holds, but God, in the middle of our pain, whatever that pain is, that your power would be seen, that your power would be displayed. God, we pray right now that no matter what we're going through at home with our marriage, with our, our kids, the brokenness that we feel with our kids, God, these windows are just littered with people's names on here. And these individuals are people that you're running after, God. And maybe for us, we've had a name that's been up there for years. God, we pray over these names that your power would be displayed in our pain. God, we pray right now that your mercy would exceed our understanding that your mercy, your grace would exceed our understanding. No matter how much or how little we believe that we know about you and your will for our life, God, that we would have grace and mercy in all these moments, that we would be a people that are known, that we would be a church, that we would be believers that are known from in every moment when the world is, is throwing doubt, when the world is throwing confusion and chaos out there, God, that we would be a people that are known for mercy and a people that are known for grace, that we would be able to love people because we know and we believe that people matter to you and they should matter to us, God. And God, lastly, we pray that you would let us take personal interest in individual people, that those people, those names that we've written on the walls, God, that we would not give up just like the shepherd that left the 99 chasing the one, that we would be a part of that pursuit with you. God, that that son, that that daughter, that that family member or our best friend that is far from you, that we would be able to be that person that pursues them in your name, that we would take personal interest in their life. And God, we hope we live these characteristics, not so that we get the glory, not so that we're seen as good people, but that your name is lifted up, that your power is exalted before us. God, we pray that we're better people, not so that we're known in this community more, but God, so that you are known in this community, that people would see you through us in our actions that our orthodoxy and our orthopraxy would align, that how we live out our faith would align. God, we thank you so much. And today we declare that we're gonna run after you. We're gonna run to our heavenly Father. God, that we would be able to say like father, like son, like father, like daughter, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.